Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, September 10th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. My man is on vacation. We're not going to tell you where unless he wants to tell you. And he still is doing the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, September 10th. Appreciate you, man. Let's start with a little bit of bad news. I'm going to get into a lot of good news. So Paula EA Nautiote, I believe I pronounced that right. He just goes by EA. For those that don't know who I'm talking about, the linebacker transfer from USC, his waiver was denied by the NCAA, Ryan Day told us yesterday. He will not be able to play for the Buckeyes this year. Now, they are going to appeal. It sounds like, I mean, he's probably not going to be able to play for the Buckeyes this year. And it sounds like an academic issue from my sources, J-Book, it's some type of academic issue. Your thoughts on, on this uh, situation? Yeah, it's unfortunate. It, it, the NCAA continues to make themselves look like a fool every step of the way. I know you said there's an academic issue, but the thing that really bothers me is how long this took. I mean, from the time that he submitted his request, if there was an issue, it was pretty obvious. Why does it take you weeks and weeks and weeks to actually make a final decision? And the inconsistencies with the NCAA is what really troubles me because you got you got a guy like Tate Martell that, that transfers to multiple schools and somehow he's eligible to play right away every time that he goes and transfer you look at you know all of the guys transferring within the sec they're eligible right away um but i I do think that if there is an academic issue then um it's unfortunate but i just wish that the nca will make a decision a whole lot faster so that everybody can get on with their lives um the thing that you mentioned is the appeal if they do appeal, I don't expect it to be overturned. It's very rare that you see the NCAA um, overturn any type of rulings. And even if they do make an appeal, it wasn't going to come back at, at the end of October, November, because they take so long. Um, so it, it's an unfortunate situation. Uh, if you want to look for a silver lining in this, it looks like he'll be able to stay with on the team and be eligible to play next year. Uh, but that that's kind of the situation where we're in, where the NCAA has made a decision. They they believe the the situation at hand as far as his academics and eligibility was called into question, so they made their ruling. So where do you think this leaves the linebacker core? I mean, you know, I don't know what the plans were. Obviously, they wanted a linebacker, or they wouldn't have, have tried to get uh, EA to transfer. They also went after Henry Tooto before that, so obviously they needed some – depth at the linebacker position they thought but Cody Simon seems to be stepping up Tommy Eichenberg Taraja Mitchell looks good although there's some other guys that really don't look good um your thoughts on where this leaves leaves the linebacking core yeah I'll start just kind of with the outside guys um with him and Henry Toto because you look at the 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 way that things have kind of played out here as the season started I was watching that Alabama Miami game and Henry's right there in the middle Cap already uh, voted as a captain on Alabama squad. 
making plays on their defense. He was a guy that Ohio State really wanted that they felt like was a, a plug-and-play type of guy in the middle, so they missed out on him. Bring, bring in um, this kid, and he's ineligible. So you went from, hey, we thought we had uh, Henry in the bag to let's go to our, our, our next guy that we're interested in, and he's not eligible to play. So where does that leave you? That leaves you with Al Washington needs to develop his guys. Uh, we've had it in our boarding house several times that the, the middle linebacker position is still pretty much unsettled. Uh, we're going into that Minnesota game, and you saw it. it. They were kind of doing a hockey line change when it came to rotating those guys in and out there. But I think Cody Simon is going to be your guy. He's the one that's showing the, the big play potential at the linebacker position. He's showing that point A to point B speed that you're looking for, a guy that can get off blocks and make plays. Um, I think Tommy, Tommy uh, Eichenberg should be your backup guy. But I need to see Cody Simon on the field as much as possible. The, the thing that concerns me is the rotation of so many guys. I know you're trying to get looks and you're trying to get guys reps. But the thing that you have to remember is these are guys without a lot of experience. You need to let them go in there and get baptized by fire. They need to make mistakes. They need to be able to, to get up off the ground after they get pancaked and be able to make a play the next time. And, and as you continue to play more, those young guys continue to build confidence in themselves because they, they're believing that they can play at this level, which I truly believe they can. They just need to be put in a position to succeed, and they have to be able to get more time on the field. So it's going to be up to Kerry Cones and Al Washington to find their guys and say, these are our top linebackers, and those guys need to rock and roll and when they need a breather, that's when you rotate in a couple other guys. But for me, the hockey line changes that I saw against Minnesota, uh, you know, it was somewhat concerning because it prevented some of those other linebackers to get into a rhythm. But at the same time, you saw a guy in Cody Simon really flashed. Jay Book, my man, we are little more than 24 hours away from the showdown against Oregon in the horseshoe right here in Columbus. Let's get down to brass tacks here we're going to publish our staff predictions later today i'll just let the listeners know this is the bucknuts morning five you can get my uh, early prediction here i have ohio state winning this game 42 to 27 that's my prediction ohio state 42 oregon 27 jay book what's your prediction and just kind of break down the matchup here yeah i have ohio state 41 24 uh, i think it's going to be a situation where both teams will be able to put up some points here Anytime I need to see Ohio State defense start holding opponents below 21 points before I start uh, picking the other team to score below that number there. And, and there's Ohio State offense. They're going to walk off the bus and put up 40 points. Just That's just the way it is. When you look at this Oregon yes, team, the, big, the biggest question mark is always going to be uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, will he be healthy? He got his ankle rolled up in the Fresno State game. I know Mario Cristobal said it was going to be a day-to-day -day situation. His belief is if a guy can't practice during the week, he does not like them to play in the games because he feels like they need those practice reps. But when you're talking about potentially the number one draft pick going into a, a hostile environment in Columbus, even if he hasn't practiced all week, I, I can bet you he will play if he's ready to go. Because a 75%, 70% uh, Thibodeau will be better than pretty much any defensive end in the country. 
so I look for that to be a key for them. I know Justin Flo, their other five-star guy, is questionable. Oregon had two defensive backs um, that were out this game because they were riding around shooting people with BB guns in the face. So they were suspended for the first two games. Uh, so their secondary would definitely uh, get a bump there because Fresno State really exposed them in the passing game. One, if you travel over to the Oregon 24-7 board, one of the biggest concerns coming out of their press conference um, with Tim DeRuiter, who, by the way, was my defensive, quarter, defensive coordinator at Ohio University, uh, but they, they were using the linebackers as the ones to pick on in the passing game. And that's typical in the Tim DeRuiter type of defense. If you can spread those guys out, they're very vulnerable in the passing game trying to play in space. So I believe Ohio State is going to mesh Oregon to death here. They're going to make those guys prove that they can actually cover in space because if you listen to the Oregon side, that was one of the things that they really, really emphasize this week is trying to make sure that those linebackers are getting their fits correctly and making sure that those guys are getting into coverage appropriately because Fresno State were picking those guys apart and they put on film some things that you could really do to them. I, I think Ohio State's offensive line will, will have their way with the Oregon defensive line. And at the end of the day, this comes down to what will Ohio State defense do? I think Ohio State defense is good enough to get the stops that they need here. I'm not impressed with the Boston College transfer. Uh, that's the starting quarterback for Oregon. He's okay. He doesn't scare me at all. Um, I think Oregon has some guys on the offense that can definitely make some plays here. But I just think at the end of the day, in the shoe, in front of a ruckus crowd, this Ohio State offensive line is going to dominate up front. I just think that Oregon is not stout enough, especially with a banged-up Kevin Thibodeau on that defensive line, that he's not going to be able to make an impact like he would if he was truly healthy. And to be frank, I was really looking forward to that matchup with him and Nicholas Petit-Prayer. I thought that was going to be two big-time NFL players really going at it. Uh, but I think Ohio State, they're, they're just going to be able to do what they need to on offense. Fresno State put a lot on film for Ohio State to be able to utilize. And, and at one point on last Saturday, Dave, I was starting to get angry because it looked like Fresno State was going to upset them. I was like, no, we need Oregon to come into this game uh, with the win so it can really uh, boost up the, the feel of the game there because it kind of it would have let the air out the balloon a little bit if they'd have been upset by Fresno State. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm glad, I'm glad Oregon uh, turned that around and won that game. Fresno State gave them all they could handle and more. But I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm glad uh, we have a uh, top 11 battle. Can't quite call it a top 10 battle. Oregon number 11, Ohio State number three. So where is your concern level with the injuries in the secondary? Now, we were out there for – we can't see practice now that the season started. We were out there for, in, uh, for interviews the other day, and we're getting to watch the guys walk off the practice field. I'm tweeting, okay. I see Josh Proctor in full uniform. That's good. He's, he's, he's got pads on. He's playing some football. Seven Banks, same thing. Cam Brown, same thing. That does not mean, Bucknutters, that they're for sure going to play tomorrow. But it's good news. They were practicing. Again, we didn't see practice. We don't know if they're like full go or anything. But Josh Proctor, Cam Brown, Seven Banks, at least we're all dressed for practice. Seemed to me that they were practicing. But J-Book, this is a concern of mine. Where are you at on this? I'm kind of torn, Dave, and, and I'll explain why. My, my first initial question on 
uh, last Thursday is why are we so banged up before week one in a secondary? I mean, it's a long season. Why do we have so many guys beat up already with injuries and the season hasn't even started? So that was my initial question. Obviously, you know, things happen in practice. Uh, when you're when you're going at it at a high level competition like that, injuries will happen. But it's just unfortunate that you have that many guys already missing in the secondary. But I I will also say I'm mild, I'm mildly concerned. And the reason I say that is because I think Ryan Watts and Denzel Burke played really well for some young guys getting their first ever start. As you mentioned, you saw Josh Proctor with the pass on coming off the field, so that's good news there. And I, I still like Lathan Ransom. I think he is a heck of a safety there. So I do think they actually have some guys. Um, as much as people, you know, want to talk about the secondary and the defense, I thought Burke and Watts played really well on Thursday. That's only going to help them when you get uh, Camp Brown and Banks back. That's really going to provide much-needed depth back there in the secondary. So the, the the question is, is how banged up are your starting corners? Was that just a one one game type of deal and they'll be back against Oregon. If it's something that is going to linger and it's going to affect their play throughout the season, that's when I'm going to start to get the concern because you now have to weigh the, the situation of do I want to play my starters, even though they're probably not healthy, or do I want to just roll with these younger guys, which they're probably going to make mistakes, but they've shown that they can play at a high level. So that's going to be kind of the tightrope thing that Ryan Day and Kerry Combs will have to maneuver. But I want to see if they'll if they're at full strength come this Oregon game. If they're not, then my nervous level will definitely ramp up to a next degree. All right, last thing, my man. Then we'll let you go jump back in the ocean. Um, did I just give away your, your location? No, I didn't. There's a lot of oceans out there, people. I didn't give away <laughs> his location at all. But I want to ask you about Luke Whipler, man. This guy looks good. And I like Harry Miller, but I mean, I really like Luke Whipler. I mean, he played his ass off and this guy, we're interviewing him the other day, Jay Buck. People are asking him like, what do you like to do? He's like, I love football. Like, and this wasn't like BS. He, he wasn't like just saying this because it sounded good. You could tell it was genuine. He was like, my hobbies are watching film. I love watching film, breaking it down. Like, I just love watching film. I love working out. I mean, Hashtag football guy, Luke Whipler. Your thoughts on Ohio State's starting center, Luke Whipler? Yeah, I mean, what can you ask for? He, I thought he played really well for his first start. As Ryan Day mentioned, he did some good things. He did some things that he definitely needs to prove on. But at the end of the day, he is a, he is a junkyard dog in the middle, Dave. And we had it in our boarding house earlier in the summer. He was really pushing Harry Miller. It wasn't this consensus type of deal to where Harry Miller was automatically plugged into that spot. He was getting pushed uh, by Luke. And I think Luke has shown that he can play at this level. He was 24-7 with the top centers coming out of high school. So he has the pedigree. He's a guy that you that you mentioned that's all in. And I have to say, you know, we need to see Harry Miller play at that nasty dog mentality in the middle. I mean, mm -hmm. what has Harry mm -hmm. what it what has Harry Miller actually done to say, hey, he should be gifted this spot and, and he doesn't get Wally Pitt because he's been out? 
I mean, there's not there's not really a whole lot to to go on with him, even though he has a lot of experience. If you want to count that, but we haven't seen that doggy dog out of him that you really see out of Luke. So Ohio State's in a, a great situation because you do have two quality linemen. Don't get me wrong. You want Harry Miller to be able to be ready to go at any moment, no matter if he's starting or he's the backup guy. But, you know, we're talking about Luke here, and Luke has proven that he can play at Ohio State. He can play at a high level. And when a guy takes football that's serious and he loves the game that much, and, he, and at the same time he plays with that nasty attitude, that's the type of guys you want in the middle anchoring your offensive line. So to me, if Luke is going to bring that table, bring that to the table, that tells me Harry Miller needs to bring his game up to Luke's. He needs to bring his game up even higher if he's going to be the so-called starter on potentially the best offensive line in Ohio State history. Great stuff, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book. Enjoy your vacation, my friend. Appreciate you jumping on here with me. Thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone enjoys their day and has a great weekend. Go Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes.